Chapter Eight of Human Toll by Barbara Bainton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Lovey, no mistake. You must learn to play the memoriam," gravely Boshy repeated next morning. "Be ook or be crook, you must learn to play. If I could but find out what Cameron Cameron is a payin' for your ear, I'd know how to act. But if I ints to either of 'em any such question, both of 'em buttons their lips that instant minute. I must get out of this, for I'm beginnin' to get full up of bluffin' old yellow lugs about a leavin' in me money, and it's time I was earnin' more. So once more again I'll be bumpin' my bluey, but afore I go, I must get on to Andra when he comes home, to root in among the parson's papers, and find out what they got from Cameron for you. Me and you keepin' of em on the string while he does of it. Oh, Andrew wouldn't touch their papers, said Ursula. Not if you was to ask him. She shook her head decisively, and Boshy mumbled disparagingly about Andrew and youth generally, then suddenly broke out. But, Lord God, you can't expect to put an old head on young shoulders. Why, lovey, when I think of the chance I had to root and a rummage among your dead daddy's papers afore Cameron come that time, why, I had all one night and best part of next day, said me God. I was so honest that I never so much as laid a finger on em, for I never give it a thought till I see Cameron had a snaffled of em. The muscles in his maimed eye quivered regretfully. When I'm abed and begins to think over it, I turns quick on me other side to distract me out away from such thoughts, to think what a fool I was. Bought sense is the best sense if you don't pay too dear, as the saying is, and don't lose your receipt. I always paid putty dear for mine. He was smiling silent, then added slowly and softly, "Sep once it. And again he paused and pondered, then suddenly, Tetchwood, lovey, Tetchwood, to stop bad luck, he said excitedly, jumping up and tapping and making her touch the seat. Me a boastin' and a blatherin' like that, and no and pride goes afore a fall. And he grew strangely disturbed and troubled. Then, under pretense of being reassured by this Tetchwood charm, he spoke of a subject that continually appeared to be in his mind, the doings of Pat the Jew. For though Boshy did not again enter the courthouse hotel, some magnetic influence continually caused him to pass the bar. His mood was always indicative of Pat's trade, for if the rapacious publican happened to be in the bar alone, Boshy's one eye would take a steady, disconcerting inside survey. To Lovey, he would joyfully prophesy that Pat the Jew's day was done. Not a soul an ex, nor a nine, nor a near the place. Everyone's a droppin' down to his tobacco juice. I've cooked his goose. In justice to Boshy's prediction, this was a culinary kindness that he lost no opportunity of attempting. Several times Boshy passed and repassed one afternoon, gloatingly noting that only the discomfited landlord loomed gloomily with his back to the empty fireplace, gnawing his thin moustache, or, as Boshy said, to as many as he could intercept. A champin' and a chorin' and a chewin' of the tobacco, a snows what for. But next time the insatiable Boshy saw that Pat's daughter, named by her admiring parents, Violet, but nicknamed by the Philistines, the Fuchsia, had joined Pa. They stood each end of the mantelpiece, and between them on it rested a large canvas labelled Topical Birds at Home the lack in etymology being equalled by the ornithology of the subjects, these being several large tropical parrots, at home on a spray of asparagus, 
Boshy needed no index to the artist, for the knowledge that the fuchsia was learning to paint pictures was common to the whole town. "'It's a potograph. I'll take me oath that's what it is,' he declared to Ursula. Nor was he comforted by her assurance that it could not be a photograph, because of the fragile impossibility of the perch of those gaudy, well-fed perches. "'Could you paint one, then, with them a roostin' on a rosebush, lovey?' sentimentally he inquired with eagerness. She, sorrowful for his apparent disappointment, admitted that even the fuchsia's achievement was beyond her. "'Then don't be jealous, lovey,' he snapped irritably. "'But set me God, if I got to go barefoot, you'll go to learn,' he said as he disappeared. Nothing the ex-parson could say against the expense could dissuade him from this decision. Even the girl's own opposition he beat back, resolutely meeting her unwillingness to part from him with the news that he was about to return to the bush on important business. Andrew also, by his father's command, was going back to the station. "'I wouldn't leave you here, lovey, without Andrew,' waving away the suggestion. "'No, you can't come with me this trip, lovey of mine,' whispering. "'But please, God, you will next time. "'And us'll take a memoriam with us. "'But, Lord, us'll stay no time up there.' Perhaps it was the overzealous opposition of Mr. Civil that strengthened Boshy's rash resolve, for even when the initial expenses multiplied from pence into shillings and progressed into pounds, he would neither waver nor retreat. Certainly to enforce the shopkeeper's respectful wonder, he paid all silver outlays in copper and pounds in silver, and all with a painfully slow reluctance. Yet in the end the girl was, all circumstances considered, fairly equipped for this venture. The memorable morning found Boshy and Andrew and her beside her boxes on the veranda, awaiting the preliminary horn-blast of Jimmy Nankaran's night-journeying coach. If Boshy's mind had dwelt on the parting, the strenuousness of many other ordeals had suppressed mention. But now, as Jimmy's team topped the gravelly hill, he raised his horn and proudly blew his enunciatory Then he noisily tooled his team to the gate. It shook the girl distressingly, but she made no sign. Only she took one swift look at Andrew and noted that he had suddenly changed from a boy into a man with a brave, grave face. Boshy began to tremble violently. Me old mother called the ship as I assailed in out ear the earth, and now all of a instant minute I begin to feel the same, he said, turning to silent Andrew. Boshy, I won't go, said Ursula earnestly. My God, and them expensive boxes, and more expensive duds what's in em, a lying all around. Up with you, lovey, into your grand box seat, he said, in the coaxing tones of her childhood. A box seat's extra expense, but I want all in the town to see ye. I'm all right, lovey. So's Andra, he encouraged, looking at a movable Andrew. Us is both all right when us thinks on the pictures you'll paint and the tunes you'll play when us all meets again. End of chapter 8